Cougs ass. All right. Never in doubt, right? Okay. I'll admit it. I, I got a little nervous. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs Day, the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainter, to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater going to step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. We're about at 800 subscribers. Good for you all. Thank you. Make sure you hit, keep hitting subscribe down below. Once we get to a thousand, we give some way. We're doing that every 250 subscribers from here on out. So make sure you hit subscribe and then comment and let us know what you think about the Houston and Northern Kentucky game. As ugly as it was, uh, if you don't want to talk about it anymore because it was an ugly win, uh, tell us if you like potato chips or tortilla chips. It is championship time of year. Uh, all right. So in this game, uh, there's not. <laughs> Not a pretty way to go about this. Houston did win 63-52. But like I said, it was not an easy or pretty win. In the first section, I want to talk about a couple of key injuries. Obviously, uh, Marcus Sasser at the gates. Jamal Shea, we found out about afterwards. And those kinds of things, kind of how the game went with those. In the second segment, I want to talk about praising some of the freshmen. Because in the absence of some of the upper-class leadership, um, we needed those freshmen. In the third segment, I want to start looking ahead to Auburn. Now, admittedly, we are scheduled to have a Saturday special episode with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn for a full and depth breakdown of that. So that third segment might feel a little fast and rushed because more of that is to come. But first, let's jump in and talk some about how this game went. Um, worth pointing out, it was a slugfest, slugfest, slugfest of the five Northern Kentucky starters for Oh, sorry, three played 38 minutes and one played 39 minutes. They rode their horses through and through. Houston's defense did prevail. Uh, they held a 68.5 points per game team to 52 points per game. Uh, Northern Kentucky shot just 50, uh, just shot 15 percent and uh, from three and 27 and a half percent from the field. Did shoot nine times the free throw line. Uh, the big deal in this game for Houston's defense was giving up 18 offensive rebounds. It felt like the guards could not get involved in the offensive rebounding game. If Jawan Roberts or Jarris Walker or Reggie Chaney did not come down with the offensive rebound it or with defense rebound, it went to Northern Kentucky. Now I say that to say, like, I guess I should point out like a couple of Coug guards did have defensive rebounds. Uh, Jamon Mark ended up with six after some sub down the stretch. Um, Jamal Shedd had three marks after two. So it wasn't zero zero, but it was not great. The big momentum shift in this game emotionally though, was shortly before half when uh, after shooting a fadeaway jump shot and what was a tightly contested game to that point, Marcus Hasser limps to the sideline. Um, now, I say limps because that's the best adjective, but it wasn't like an exaggerated limp or anything like that. But he clearly was in a little bit of pain with that groin again. He said himself afterwards that he, A, felt nearly 100% for the game. That's why they pushed. he pushed himself to be out there. No coach pushed him, I, I guess. He wanted to be out there playing. Um, and to be fair, in the 14 minutes, he did shoot 2 of 5 from the field. He did face more or less a box and one type of double team for a lot of it, too. Um, and then was 1 of 3 from behind the arc. Uh, again, he did say he felt 100%. And he didn't hurt himself defensive sliding, although he did take a little bit 
easier defensive assignment being a little banged up, but it sounded like he planned off of it to shoot a fadeaway too. If it's the shot I'm thinking of, I believe it actually went in. Uh, and then he like clearly just like didn't quite feel right after that. They subbed him out at halftime. Um, and you can kind of feel a little bit of a deflation. Frankly, all in all, we've seen Houston have rough first halves and come out and have a big 20 point, 25 point win in the second half, right? Like had Marcus been healthy the whole time, this kind of was feeling like it was going to be one of those kind of moments. And then there was this extra gut punch at halftime um, in which it was like, oh, crap, what's going on? Um, Marcus is still questionable as far as every listing is going to go for Saturday's game against Auburn. If it were like betting, man, I bet it's the same thing where he warms up and tries to give it a go. Um, I bet they're a little bit quicker on pulling him out in that instance um, just because he did re-aggravate it on Thursday. Um There'll be plenty of time for this later in the spring and summer, but the, I think hindsight 2020 thing will be everyone says that he should not have played. I think the, you know, also lot logical conclusion there would be simply put a groin injury usually takes more than a week to heal. And he just heard it last uh, Saturday. So how could it have been uh, healed? I, I get all of that. Um, I also get though, when you're a coach, if the kid says I'm good to go, and you missed out on the final four last year because you didn't play him in the Elite Eight game, how you might feel like it's time to listen to the kid. Uh, I, I get all that. I get both sides of the coin. That's a later breakdown, I'm sure. The other big injury was, and I kind of noticed Jamal Shedd kind of limping around throughout the game. He didn't seem like himself. Uh, he apparently hyperextended his knee at some point and, and felt a little banged up in the first half of this one. I noticed it because he wasn't running what I call the HB dive plays. I like, think like Madden, thing like just up the gut, up the gut, up the gut. He typically gets three or four of those a game for, you know, again, six or eight points, maybe a nice drop off. He did not have that kind of spring the step in this one. Um, frankly, he kind of let Tremont Mark take the tougher defensive assignments and a lot of times. And I also think it led to his six turnovers. The big story on this for Jamal Shedd was not playing hurt until after the game. In the game, it was that he had six turnovers. The most in a game in his career at this point was four, right? And, and so it was a big, big, like what is going on with Jamal kind of thing, just as far as how he was playing afterwards, we find out that uh, he hyperextended his knee at some point. I will say that it didn't seem to be bugging him on his jump shot. Uh, he it went, uh, make sure I got the numbers right here. He made a three. So one of four from three, one got blocked, you know, and then I was six to 15 from the field. We usually see it that close to eight, whatever. Um, he did have is no, because he didn't have the layups. He only has an HB dive type plays. He did have uh, a turnaround fadeaway that was kind of the dagger towards the end of the game. I think that's when it clicked in my head like he's not quite right because that fadeaway was usually kind of – he usually gets that dagger by attacking the rim, getting an and one layup, or pulling the defense and dropping off the jet one, right? Like that's usually how those kinds of things go. That wasn't how this kind of thing went. And so we'll see. I will say that he is very calm and confirmed, like certain he's playing Saturday. Uh, he walked out of the gym. It sounds like with two big bags of ice, one on each knee. So I guess a, we can't tell which one it was, but B, I think he is banged up. It's easy. To remember like, unlike Tremont and uh, Marcus, he played all the games of last season. He's played been the workhorse of this season. In a lot of ways. Um, he's usually the last guy that coach pulling out of the game as he's pulling the starters out. Like he is a guy that Houston has ridden all the way to this point. A lot of wear and tear on his body. Um, with all of that, there was also a stretch where it felt like Juwan Roberts was going to be down. He got hit in the manhood, and he took a few minutes out. I have not seen anything more than that. He got hit in the manhood. and need to take a little bit more a time out. But that was 
based on the way he talked to John Houston on the sideline. Like that looked like what had happened. He came back in and played very well. I think that's all that happened. Um, obviously we'll be following that a little bit closely as well on the whole amidst injuries and things like that. Um, once you take out the turnovers, Houston had a pretty good offensive game. They just had 17 of them. Um, they actually shot 49% from the field. Um, you wish you'd had, you know, they shot 25% of the three-point line. You wish you were closer to 33, 35. But I digress in the whole, like shooting 50% from the field on a game isn't terrible for Houston. Um, but the 17 turnovers mean that, oh, on top of missing half your shots, there's 17 times you didn't get a shot. Now Houston had 11 offensive rebounds on 26 missed shots. We know that Samson's going to harp on that not being high enough either. Um, on the whole though, with Sasser and Shed being a little banged up, it felt like the guards weren't getting involved in those aspects of the game um, until the young guys came in and kind of saved the literal day. Uh, we'll talk some about Emmanuel Sharp and his contributions as well as Jairus Walker and Terrence Ross in a moment. But first let's talk some about FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the number one sports book in America, and it is a great time to sign up because you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Uh, now, this week, they've already got uh, Houston's next opponent up on FanDuel. Houston will be playing Auburn in Birmingham, Alabama. Yes, we're going to talk about that a lot in the next few days. Um, but the Houston opens up already as a six-and-a-half-point favorite um, and the over-under set at 130.5. Now, I'm looking at the way Houston plays, looking at the way Auburn plays, and I'm thinking in this one, I'm probably more likely to hit Houston, but by less than six-and-a-half, um, because it will be a fairly true road game in most instances, and if I'm also a betting man, I'm probably taking uh, the overall under. Uh, Auburn is a team that scores in the mid-70s per game, and Houston's been holding teams lower than their typical per-game averages by 15 to 20%. Uh, Houston, we just saw one of game scoring in the 60s. Um, I'm looking at this game being like 65 to 60. Uh, maybe after free throws, it's like 67 to 62 or something like that. Um, I'm seeing that. But with both of, I, I'm seeing it under 130.5. Now, admittedly, I'm hedging my bets after being very, very wrong on the opening round game. And so I'm telling you to do the same, but I'm telling you to do it at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, FanDuel even should combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance with your no sweat first bet for $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NB. Hey, all right. So admittedly, um, they were banged up, but the upperclassmen kind of had troubles in this game. And so Houston was looking around for other people to step up. I thought we, we had to start with Jairus Walker, played 36 minutes, um, two huge blocks, like sports center, na 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 kind of blocks. Um, one off the backboard in transition, pin a guy shot at the glass. I don't think that the, uh, I think it was Xavier Rhodes. I don't think Xavier Rhodes of uh, Northern Kentucky ever saw Jarris coming. Jarris is coming from the uh, far right side of the screen, coming up and just like it, like he misses the left hand that came across the right and popped up the backboard. 
big block at a key point in the game early in the first half. Second half, it looks like he's gotten beat by Chris Brandon on a driving bat. We should also point out Chris Brandon of Bel Air High School in Houston had a phenomenal game for them as far as beating up for rebounds, a seven offense, seven defensive rebounds from Northern Kentucky. Um, had a f- great game. He thinks he's beaten uh, Jarris Walker on the drive. He's driving the basket. Things got a nice left hand layup, and Jarris comes from behind him and sends that thing pop into the third row. Big time play out of Jarris, both at fairly crucial moments. I also thought that while Jarris did not attempt a three and had one bad charge after pump faking a three and driving for a floater, uh, he got called for a charge on the floater. He should have just shot the three. Um, on the whole, he shot six for eight from the field. He did have six rebounds. He played kind of dirty, enforcing some loose ball kind of stuff, coming back to Houston's way. Two big blocks, like I mentioned. Um, he he also, for what it's worth, played tremendous defense and not not allowing shots to get off, much less get blocked or whatever, in his 36 minutes. And while I have my complaints about how many offense rebounds Houston let up, I didn't blame those on Jarrett. found this on the web. That was my watch. Um, all right. I also think that um, another freshman that, and we're getting to Manuel Sharp, I promise. Um, Terrence Arsenal, though, played very, very well in his 12 minutes. He played seven minutes in the first half and uh, played great defense in his role. Had his two points, a nice little uh, mid-range jump shot. Uh, oh, sorry, it was a putback uh, on a missed mid-range jump shot. I got my notes here wrong. Uh, putback, a nice mid, uh, mid, missed mid-range jump shot, uh, like all in the air volleyball style. Um Great game out of him. He opens up the second half starting for Marcus Sasser. Once we find out Marcus Sasser is questionable, and Eric was played the second half after, you know, if he was going to play, he wouldn't warm up for halftime and then come out and not start. Like, that, like you don't sit on and get cold. Um, but with that said, um, he only played a little over four minutes in the second half because quickly uh, he got his normal rotational sub for Emmanuel Sharp to come in the game. And then there was a stretch there where Emmanuel Sharp just flat won the game. And I know we both like Emmanuel. I, I know Emmanuel is a great story because he suffered the catastrophic leg injury in December of 2021. Decides to graduate from high school early and come to redshirt to Houston so he can like get working with the Houston PT and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he was a redshirt freshman air quotes last year, but he's really a senior high school last year. Um, and then he spends his freshman year this year coming off the bench for a pair of dynamic guards, at least one of which is an NBA bound guy. Um, works his way up to being getting out of injury shape, back in game shape, etc. Um, and then, frankly, has kind of had some defensive miscues as they've been putting more on his plate lately. They've been handing him matchups like Kendrick Davis in the Memphis game. That's a tough matchup for anyone in the country, let alone a freshman that, again, just 15 months ago had a major, major open leg, broken leg injury, right? Um, big time play, right? Big time player. He got put on his butt a little bit, but he's fine. It, it's basketball. He does it off. He's okay. Um, even in the first half of Thursday night's game, he got put on his butt once. And I was like, oh no, not again, Emmanuel. And then I, I maintain there was something about the way he approached the game after that. He got subbed out further after, but you saw it very quickly on the next defensive possession. He was chest to chest riding Xavier Rhodes, a point guard for Northern Kentucky, all over the floor got subbed out because the sub had gone to the table once it got put on his butt or whatever. And it wouldn't be the second half when he got back in the game, but he did get back in the game subbing in for uh, Terrence Arsenault. And then there's a stretch where Houston was tie game, competitive, close game. And they came down as a manual sharp three defense stop, manual sharp three defense stop, 
uh, I think it was Jairus Walker too, defensive stop, came down, and there was this Emmanuel Sharp-like crazy off-balance floater at the end of the shot clock after the ball kind of got scrambled around, put around, landed in his hands. He's like, ah, it's 15 feet away, bop, float, right? Like, all of those things happened, and suddenly Houston was up 10. Now, Houston had their lead cut to five very quickly thereafter. Like, I don't mean to say the game was over, but for all intents and purposes, Houston rode that cushion for the rest of the night because Emmanuel Sharp's sharp shooting, no pun really intended, but kind of intended, his sharpshooting leads to Houston build, building up that cushion. And Houston does flat out not win this game without Emmanuel Sharp. Full stop. Sasher's out. Shed's banged up. Tremont Mark shot the ball poorly. They need someone to figure it out. That guy was Emmanuel Sharp. Full stop. It worked. Emmanuel Sharp came in the game. And frankly, as much as I love TA, Arsenault wasn't shooting the ball like that. And Emmanuel Sharp, after that initial blunder, was fine on defense. He played what? What was it? Twenty three total minutes in the game because once it realized the other, you know, once North, uh, the North, Northern Kentucky realized, oh, we can shoot a little bit. They kind of had to cover him differently. Uh, they, that meant they kind of had to cover him, not like they covered Marcus Sasser, but in a way that Houston was able to prepare for what they were doing. They went back to high low. They hit Jarris a couple times. Hit Juwan a couple. Like all these things happened and started to snowball once Houston got in rhythm because they had someone from behind the arc that could hit a shot. Or that was, was at least someone that Northern Kentucky had respect. And in going into the Auburn game, I think that's going to be just as important. Houston's going to need to continue to find someone that, Northern, that in that case, Auburn has respect. Auburn beat Iowa in what was essentially a home game on Thursday afternoon, which means that Saturday's game is only going to be more of a home game for Auburn. So I think that can kind of quiet the crowd and hit a big three in a key moment is going to be really really important, and that guy's going to have to be Emmanuel Sharp. Now, other things to stick away from this game before we move on to the Auburn thing in the last segment, I, would, I do want to point out that um, <laughs> Reggie Chaney as the junkyard dog type was great. Um, it's just, it didn't, like, people like, why didn't Reggie play more? Why didn't Reggie play more? Why didn't JVA play more, et cetera? If I could combine Reggie Chaney and JVA Francis, we'd have a great, great time because junkyard dog Reggie Chaney gets away with things that Javier Francis seems to call fouls on. Um, and frankly, they're like they complement each other really well. But the truth is Houston had to play Jarris and Jawan because those two guys were dominating the basketball game. And they were the best thing going for Houston for like 30 of the 35 minutes they each played. Right. And so I get the clamoring for Reggie and why didn't Javier play, et cetera. But I also like, look at this. I'm like, but that's just, that's just the exact same position they had to go with. Now, I've been clamoring. I've been asking for a Jairus Walker at the three lineup for a long time. I don't know that Auburn is the team that matches up with that necessarily. Um, we'll talk more about them in a moment and again tomorrow's episode with Zach. But I do think it's worth investigating at some point if you're going to continue to have guards out um, because, uh, bluntly, Jawan was able to play the four defensively when he needed to. He was able to stick with six fives and six sixes along the perimeter. Fine. Uh, Jairus, we know, can guard anyone in America. Best defender I, this side of, I don't know, the NBA. And I think that can work as your 3-4 lineup as far as who guards who. Just put Jairus on the more athletic three type, right, whatever. Um, then you put... Cheney or Javier at the five. I think that's a lineup that Houston has to investigate at some point, And I just wish they'd done it earlier. I also wonder if they'll do some of that to go into a zone lineup against Auburn because of some of the stuff Auburn does really, really well. And we've seen them go to zone at times and guys are good at getting to the free throw line. 
But first, before we get to that segment, let's talk some about Built Bar because Built Bar is building the madness. Now, Built March Madness bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is your time to make it count. Go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'm going to be voting for the coconut almond bar, and I know if, that if you want the Cougars to win, you'll be voting for that bar as well. So support your team, support your favorite bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered to win a drawing with 50 lucky lockdown listeners to get a free box of built. Yes, you heard that right. A free box of built. Not only that, but one lockdown fan will get a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try built built the best protein bar ever, ever. Seriously. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes both bars and puffs so good well, for starters, they're covered in hundred percent real chocolate and high in protein. That's right. Real chocolate and high in protein. Run to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box where you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. All right. So I said I want to talk some about Auburn. Um, and these are preliminary thoughts. I watched parts of the Auburn Iowa game before Houston played. I was also switching back and forth. Uh, there was a moment where I felt like Texas might lose to Colgate. Um, there was a lot of madness going on on Thursday. They don't call it March Beauty Contest. They call it March Madness. And um, there was a couple guys I took down in my notes as far as like the guys I need to pay attention to from Auburn. Again, we're doing a, another episode on Saturday. Uh, Zach and I are going to record something that's going to go to one of those channels. So Zach, host of Locked on Auburn, will be also going to tell us more about them. Um, but the first guy, the kind of like head of the snake guy that you need to stop when you look at Auburn is Wendell Green. Uh, Wendell Green is a small, uh, like feisty point guard from Detroit, kind of wears like the Detroit, Michigan toughness, think like, you know, industry kind of guy. Um, but he's 5'11, a buck 70, and like feisty. And I don't mean that like, like he is just, he's a spark plug kind of guy, really, really quick. Um, think like if uh, the Kihei Clark guy from Virginia had some attitude to him, like that kind of an athlete and swagger. Um, he also is like an attack the rim, get downhill kind of guy. He's a four point two assist per game kind of guy. Um, and you know, I I said to say like he has the ability to find the drop offs and stuff like that. I he's really, really quick and shifty. And I think what's interesting in watching him play in that Iowa game was it appears that he's doing a really good job getting the free throw line. And I'm sure Zach will tell us more about this tomorrow. Um, but he's doing a really good job at attacking in the free throw line. And worth pointing out, he's an 80% free throw shooter that has made like 30 something in a row, right? So he is, he's got the all time Auburn consecutive free throws made streak and he's like shooting out of his head right now. So we got to like find some way to slow him down. My initial thought would be that is uh, the Jamal Shed matchup. However, with his health kind of in question, I wonder if that's the Terrence Arsenal matchup. We'll see. Um, the other guy that stuck out to me as some, far as someone that Houston has to keep an eye on is their big man, uh, Johnny Broom. Johnny Broom is listed at 6'10", 235. I'd imagine he's more like a long 6'9 and a half and like 245. I thought he was heavier than the look, listen to him as, but I digress. He's your classic can get you double double type of big. I mean, he's not going to do anything that stretches the floor crazy, but he has high energy, long. He's a, I guess his average, it says here, is our 14. Uh, points and eight and a half rebounds a game. Um, I was impressed by his energy around the basket. I think it's a tough matchup, but a good matchup for Jawan Roberts. Um, that would be my guy that they go to there. Um, Jalen Williams, I think, is the other forward you got to pay attention to. He's a natural matchup for Jarris. Um, 
Jairus is 6'9", 240. Jalen is 6'8", 230 on the way to the listed. Um, Jalen is a classic pick and, pick, pick and pop big. We'll be playing some outside three-point line and all those kind of places that Jairus is uniquely fit to cover. Jairus is a great matchup for him. I think that Houston wins that matchup, even though um, Jalen is a four-year kind of guy. Again, he's a 36% three-point shooter, though, so Jairus has to be sure to stay down and not foul the guy shooting threes. Um the other, the other person, if anyone that Houston needs to watch out for specifically, of course, that means someone else will go off because I'm not talking about them. But Katie Johnson is a, a three, a third year guard. He's a more traditional off ball guard, but he's only 6'1", 190. Now that is noticeably bigger than 5'11", 170 <laughs> in Wendell Green. But so like they look, they look similar. But he's a tough kid from Atlanta. K, uh, KD is, and he's you know he's he's an 8.8 points per game guy. It looks like looking at his game logs, he can give you 12, 15. He can give you four or six, depending on what's going on there, right? So Houston's got all kinds of options to cover that. Um, again, if Jamal is not on Wendell Green, but playing, he probably draws Katie Johnson, if not vice versa. Um, that is to say that they're a kind of basketball team that against a man defense we look into a tactic and rolls and get downhill. I imagine with Johnny Broom, they also slip a lot of their pick and rolls. So uh, they try and slip something to get some more to the rim. Houston's seen this a lot this season. It's going to be reliant on that backside defender tagging the roller. Um, I think the nice thing about it for Houston, and again, this is on the season averages, but Auburn's not the kind of team that's going to beat you by bombing a bunch of three-pointers um, on the season as a whole, where to go? I just had it uh, on the season as a whole, though, they are shooting 23s a game and just 31% from them. So that if anything means that the backside defender ought to be more quick and able to tag the role, leading to a cross out block out on the backside, um, because you're not so worried about your guy in the corner hitting a cross court pass for a three, because that's not something that they're great at. Uh, again, 20, one three-pointers per game attempted would put them at 227th in all of college basketball. Uh, they're 31% from the beyond the arc. It puts them at 32nd or 323rd. I'm sorry, I'm reading this. 323rd in college basketball. So not their cup of tea. What is their cup of tea is playing at home. And uh, unfortunately for Houston, this kind of works as a de facto road game. Now we'll talk more about it uh, on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I'm, I'm sure it'll come up with Zach as well. Um, but the tournament committee is kind of being unapologetic about making this a de facto home game in the second round for Auburn, even though they work so hard supposedly to not make it sure, to make sure it doesn't happen in the first round. Um, now, I've seen no addressing as to why the first round versus second round matchup is the exact same location. So why would it matter? Um, but they try to not give the upper seed a disadvantage. And Auburn was the nine seed playing a home, a glorified home game just under 120 minutes away from campus in the first round as well. So that's going to be a big, big part of this. Houston is undefeated on the true road this year. I guess they did lose that Memphis game in the tournament without Sasser. So that like, gives some cause for concern. Um, however, that was also the day after his injury. You're trying to scramble together and figure out what happens and, and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, it's also the third time you played Memphis in a month. And so like, there's some of the, like, how do you like game plan, a new game plan for something you've seen over and over again. Um, healthy Houston on a neutral floor. I feel really, really confident in Houston. This one, I'm not going to lie to you playing them a little banged up in a road game 
48 hours after the game we just had has me little cause for concern. I weirdly think there's some ways that Northern Kentucky was almost a more difficult matchup because the way that they played, and especially when you factor in the way they play defense in that matchup zone versus Houston shooting ball so poorly from beyond the arc. Um, Auburn's a little bit more aggressive and more tactical in their man. Um, so we'll see how the matchup shakes out. We preview with Zach on tomorrow's episode, so make sure you check that out before the game. The game is set to tip off at 6.10 Central Time, although it is after other games being played in the same arena. So, you know, things are obviously subject to change there. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked On Cougs. Locked On Cougs is the primary of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're looking for another listen for today, let me recommend Locked On College Basketball because Andy and Isaac are running a great show. They're also talking about uh, the entirety of March Madness at a national perspective each and every day. So make sure you go give them a subscribe and listen and all of those good things. Locked On Cougs, again, is a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team are in our case, number one team in the country every day. Go Cougs.